All right, guys, what is up? Welcome to the 106th installment of the Unplugged Alpha podcast series, a little bit of a podcast that I've created to build off the book. Today's topic, um, these TradCons were having a little bit of a spaz a few days ago on social media and uh, Twitter. Um, basically, the Daily Wire guys, uh, the Matt Walsh's, the Jordan Peterson's, the Jeremy Boring's were having a go at the uh, red pill and um, saying that there was an attack on marriage and it's evil and there's a lot of particularly evil things about it. Well, I wanted to talk about that tonight because I've covered this for years now. Um, there is a chapter in my book uh, on why smart men don't marry that's available on Amazon. Uh, the second edition of the book, by the way, is done. It is uploaded and ready to roll with um, Amazon. Um, so it's actually been translated to Spanish as well. We're just waiting for the approval um, to go through in the green light, and that'll be released probably in a week or two. Um, but uh, yeah, you can get more there, and it's been expanded and updated so that it's in far, far better shape to be... Uh, a standalone piece. I mean, the original one has been called, the, um, I think it was Aaron Cleary that said that it's probably the best introduction to the space out of any book. So it's it's gone further. We turned it up to 11 to make it even better. Um, so where do I start with this, man? This is just, this shit gets exhausting because I get it, look. And there's a lot of stuff that I actually agree with. I probably agree with a lot more than I disagree with the Daily Wire. I think some of their stuff is actually great. Um, I subscribed to the Daily Wire to watch the three-part series uh, that Jordan P Peterson put out on marriage, which I dealt with in another video, and that's in the description below. Uh, TLDR, didn't like it. I didn't think it was complete, and he missed a lot of stuff. But I liked Matt Walsh's What is a Woman? Um, I think that was a great little documentary on what's going on in the world and asking some very difficult questions of people that tend to avoid them. And a lot of the stuff that I've seen on the YouTubes and social media that they've talked about, I tend to agree with, you know, for the most part. When they get to marriage, that's where they lose me. The whole man up, just be a man, uh, take your vows in front of the church and family, uh, invite the state in your house. It's not enough to just love a woman and date her or have children with her outside of a marriage. You have to do it. Uh, this way because, I don't know, it's our way or whatever it is, you know, they, they happen to boil it down to. But I've got a few sound bites here uh, that I've jotted down. There's a tweet that I want to deal with. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on with this. And I hope there's some critics watching tonight because, as I always say in these shows, um, I mean, it's always nice to talk to people and have the fans call. And I do the call-ins usually about the 40, 45-minute mark and, you know, talk to them and answer their questions. But there's always these critics out there that have something to say, but they never actually come on and say something to your face to enter in the discussion and, you know, like get in the ring. You know, if you have a better solution, I want to hear it. Because um, so far, all I've heard with the um, TradCon crowd is, well, our solution is just man up and you're an individual. And I'll get in a few of the other talking points as well in a, a moment. But I haven't heard a real solution, you know, from that angle. And the red pill, which uh, is more closely aligned with, um, I guess, the Mano Swamp, as I call it today. Um, people people sometimes ask me, hey, Richard, are you red pill? Yeah, of course I'm red pill. I got red pill a long time ago. I got red pill like 10, 12 years ago. I've talked about the three things that red, that have, that have red pilled me. Um, been there, done it, got the t-shirt. Um, there's 
people in that space, I mean, you get the pink pill girls now, you know, where they're like saying the same shit, but they do it with a dress and some makeup on and um, it gets amplified in a slightly different way. But they go back and forth and it's comical, but it is what it is. Let me start with this tweet before we go right down the rabbit hole. So this guy, Jeremy Boring, is the uh, co-founder of The Daily Wire, which is probably the biggest uh, like right-wing tradcon sort of space out there right now. Um, I thought it was hilarious the way that he handled the Gillette uh, toxic masculinity bit, countering it with his own razors, countering the Hershey's uh you know, wokeness with his, with his, uh, chocolate bars. So again, entertaining, agree with much of what they say, but again, where they get lost in the weeds and really screw up things and lead guys down, um, into the slaughterhouse is with their whole notion that you should just still marry regardless of the difficulties, regardless of the environment, regardless of the laws, regardless of regardless, they still say march in the slaughterhouse. So let me go and uh, frame this with his, with his tweet, which I kind of discussed uh, the other day briefly on my um, general show, but I'm going to go deeper down this on a solo moment. So if you watch that, just bear with me. So Mr. Boring here, um, you can go follow him on uh, Twitter. He, is, uh, he says he's the co-founder of uh, Real, da- Real Daily Wire and Jeremy's Razors. Says the red pill attack on marriage is evil. Divorce is also evil. No fault divorce is particularly evil. Divorce when children are in the picture is one of the most evil acts a person can engage in. Well, it is what it is, man. You know, uh, people part ways. And I agree. You know, children generally do better in a household where there's two parents involved. Uh, children also generally do better when they're raised by uh a single father versus a single mother. Um, statistically speaking, single fathers do a far better job than single mothers, and si- single fathers basically do almost as good a job as a two-parent household. So there's that as well. Um, all of these acts of evil are common because evil is common, and we are all given it from time to time. But that does not change what they are. The notion of, of good versus evil is funny here. The way that it's being framed, it's like there's good and there's bad. And that side is bad. So it's us versus them, basically, is you know what it is. And we've always lived in an us versus them world. Jack Donovan talks about it in the way of men and his other stuff. That's what we are. We're tribes. You know, The way of men is the way of the gang, as he says. So when he's talking about evil, he's, he's trying to distinguish that tribe over there. Anybody that says that um, you know marriage is a bad idea and you know divorce is... Divorce as a consequence of a bad marriage choice is also a bad idea. They're on that side. They're on the evil side. So I guess by definition, I'm evil. Um, all of these acts of evil are common because evil is common. We are all given it from time to time, but that, does not, but that does not change who we are. The fact that women initiate 80% of divorce is evidence that some manifestations of evil are more common in women. Ooh, he's calling women evil now. Something society, and frustratingly, Christian society, has been trying to obscure since we turned over all of our moral authority to women in a 20th century. Okay, well, you can blame the churches for that, dude. Like that's, you know, it, like all of the religious crowds out there, this guy inclusive with all of his Daily Wire, uh, you know, gang as well, um, subscribe to organized religions, you know, like um, some of them are Jewish, some are Christian, Catholic, whatever it happens to be, but they all subscribe to a certain organized religion, which under which falls under the umbrella of the, 
uh, marriage or, or some form of marriage, as they like to call it. Uh, he goes on to say, it's also evidence of a deep societal sickness, one that creates enormous incentives for women to divorce and virtually, though not absolutely, none for men. So he's still blaming women here. The red pill rightly observed much of the sickness. They even rightly diagnosed much of it. Okay, well, nothing new there. But then they turn on the institution itself. They're not turning. I don't think, my understanding, my impression anyway, from the time when I would collaborate with the Mano Swamp was they're not turning on the institution. My impression, my understanding, I mean, I mean, some of them are even married to this day. My understanding was that it's just a bad deal. And when guys get together and they swap notes and they have conversations about deals that are available out there to them, then they just say, I'm not turning on it. I'm just not doing it, right? Turning on it is, in my estimation, very, very different than just not inviting it into your life. But he's trying to conflate those two things. Anyway, an institution fundamental to human flourishing, male flourishing, the flourishing of children, and the flourish of society. An institution that is, when rightly ordered, the great metaphor of our relationship with Christ. Here we go with the religious stuff. There were some notes here. Um, that I took from a video that Matt Walsh literally just published um, shortly before I went live, I think in the last half an hour. Um, actually, I'll, I'll save that for a minute. Let me just finish reading the tweet so I can sort of segue into that. Marriage makes men men. Marriage saves men and is a picture of the salvation of men. How does marriage make men men? Let's just ask ourselves this question for a moment. Let's Let's just marinate on that. How does getting married make a man a man like what defines a man like how is it that a marriage defines a man i'm genuinely curious and chat you guys let me know right now how you see marriage defining because i don't see marriage making a man making a man maybe becoming a father is what he's trying to say makes you a man but getting married how does that make you a man you know they're 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 trying to propose here that marriage has been around since the beginning of time. This is this is one of the sound bites that I heard Matt Walsh just say in his last uh, published video. And uh, thousands of years, tens of thousands of years. Ma marriage isn't that old of an institution. I mean, humans have been around a lot longer than marriage has been around. Um, roughly since the time of agriculture, right? Uh, you know, we've we've been talking about this notion of something that looks like marriage. Except for back then, the interests seemed to be more around the notion of blending uh, in-laws, right? Uh, there's a book Stephanie Kuntz wrote. I talk about it in my book, The Unplugged Alpha. It's called Marriage of History. And throughout the vast majority of time, it wasn't about making men men or saving men or the salvation of men, like Jeremy Boring says here. It was about the acquisition of in-laws. There wasn't much in the way of government. There wasn't much in the way of schooling, uh, policing, medical care, care for the elders. There was no infrastructure back then. So to acquire in-laws would have made much more sense. Uh, also, when you had stuff because of agriculture, like land and oxen and chickens and goats and all this kind of shit, um, you had family to sort of pass it down to because you would generally stay put versus before it was nomadic hunter-gathering, right? Which is how we operated for millions of years prior to the last few thousand years where we got into agriculture. 
So marriage never made men men, right? Um, I think it, it would be safe to argue other things in life made men men, like being able to acquire food, acquire resources, um, you know, bear children had nothing to do with marriage. The notion of marriage came from the notion of the acquisition of in-laws. Uh, her side of the family had big, strong men and some women that had some skills. Maybe there was nursing skills. Maybe there was uh, education skills. Maybe there was farming skills. Maybe there was policing skills. Um, my side of the family had the, these skills. And you would blend the families and you would acquire in-laws. And that was, that, that was the origin of it. Now, religion, you know, you can talk about religion, the different kinds of religion. They all believe that they're the right one. There's thousands of them. Set that aside for a minute. I don't think for a minute that marriage makes men men. That's that's a crock of shit. You know, I think that you and I watching this understand that that's just a shaming tactic. It's like if you don't do this and you're not a man, really, like is um, I don't know who can we use an example? Leonardo DiCaprio is Leonardo DiCaprio not a man because he plays the field because he deals with the younger women and if they don't. Uh, you know, work with him or whatever. He just lets them go, pass, you know, replace. Is he not a man, right? Because I think other men want to be him and other women want to be with him. So how is he not a man? Like, how does marriage make men men? It, 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 it doesn't add up. It's just a straight up uh, empty argument. That's a shaming tactic, right? Just blah, 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 right? We should fight to make marriage marriage. Okay, so here's the fight part of it, right? Let's Let's keep fighting to make marriage marriage. Like their version of marriage is what they want. They don't want the state version involved in it. They want their religious version of marriage being marriage where everybody sort of does that and everybody else in society does that as well so they can have a big party together with the, um, you know, us crowd. You know, this is, this is us all together being married. We must defend men's rights in marriage. Here we go with the men's rights shit. We've seen how effective men's rights groups have been at trying to defend men or defend men's rights in a long-term relationship. And they've been going around for decades now. And some might argue, well, they've been somewhat effective or remotely effective, or they've accomplished this, that, or the other thing. But at the end of the day, the truth of the matter is, is fewer people are getting married. Of those that, that do get married, they don't live in happy long-term marriages. And the vast majority of them end up getting divorced, right? If you look at the stats when it comes to marriage, so what is it? It's something like 54% end up in a state of divorce. Uh, second marriages have an even higher failure rate. And then it doesn't account for the ones that stayed married that don't either have the option to leave or they're staying for the kids or whatever number of reasons they just stay. They've surveyed people. I've, I've got stats and data on this on my uh, podcast. And there's even a, a standalone video that I did on the Entrepreneurs and Cars channel. Uh, and I quoted it in my book as well that after eight years, only 13% of people report being in a state of love, meaning I still love my wife or my girlfriend and the woman being I am still absolutely in love with my husband slash boyfriend, whatever it happens to be. That's a shitty number by any metric. 13% is a horrible number, right? And then if you look at bliss, which is really what they sell marriage as, is, oh, it's a state of bliss. It makes men men. It saves men, family, love, blah, blah, blah all this sort of stuff. So if you look at the notion of bliss, which I think is what guys are generally sold and women too, you know, with Disney and princes and princesses and all this bullshit, less than 3% of people over that same period of time, eight years, report being in a state of bliss. So 
like what exactly is the point of this if it's got an extremely high failure rate and for those of them that stay together the vast majority of them are unhappy there's a very very small percentage of them that are happy it's like rolling the dice on freaking casino uh 13 or something like that you know the roulette table whatever it is you're going to play it, like the odds of winning are low it it's like playing the lottery 649 or wherever you, you know you happen to live um are there people that are in happy long-term marriages? Sure. I know maybe one or two, you know, and it came with a series and a long sequence of huge issues as well. Um, there's things that are precursors to good marriages. And I'll talk about, you know, that in a bit. Let me just make a note here. Good marriages. Let's talk about that, right? So let's let's keep reading this tweet. We must defend men's right, but we must not abandon marriage. Well, we must not. Again, us versus them. It's it's us. Are you in the us crowd where we must not abandon marriage? Are you in the us crowd, right? That's basically what he's saying, right? Them, they're going to abandon it. Us, we don't abandon it. We, mm, you know, we hold firm. But 80% of marriages are untied by women. So you don't have any control of that. Right. If she says I'm bored, I want out. Kevin from sales looks good. I'm banging the pool. Whatever it happens to be, doesn't matter. But if 80% of the time the knot is untied because women want to untie it, it's not generally men that are untying the knot. It's generally women that are untying the knot. To abandon marriage is to abandon the fight beneath the fight. We have to fight for every fucking thing in life right now, right? So we have to fight for marriage or what or what they're calling, you know what makes men men and all this sort of stuff. The fight on which all other fights are premised. What a crock of shit. The fight on which all other fights are, like, really, really, you know? Anti-marriage is anti-life. Well, how did we get here today? You know, we all exist today, not because of marriage, but because a man and a woman got together, were intimate, and a baby popped out nine months later. Marriage had nothing to do with that for millions of years. So saying that anti-marriage is anti-life is just stupid. It is the dumbest thing that you could possibly state with an ego investment in an institution that clearly doesn't work, that's set up for failure for the most part. You cannot be conservative and anti-marriage because they're a conservative platform. They're saying if you're reading this and you're a conservative, you can't be on their side. You have to be on our side. So this is Jeremy Boring, which reads quite boring after you've read it a couple of times. Um, it is what it is. So let's deal with some of the talking points here that Matt Walsh dropped in his most recent video. Because, dude, Matt, like I like the vast majority of your shit, but the way you talk about marriage and, and how people that are not into signing up for a bad deal are basically uh, pussies makes me laugh. Um, I think it's more so Jordan Peterson that drew that conclusion in the three-part series that you had to pay to watch on the Daily Wire, which is linked in the description below. I, I, I dealt with that earlier in the year, in the last 12 months anyway, but the link is below in the description. If you haven't watched it, you should watch it. The entire series, you know, the entire three-part series that Jordan Peterson puts out talking about marriage is essentially man up don't be a wimp don't be hedonistic um take your vows um all that stuff point and sputter basically um let me see here 
I had a, a DM from a friend on uh, Twitter the other day. He was talking about, he, he was asking me about the Daily Wire thing. I'm not going to mention his name, but he's a very popular name. You know who he is. Uh, he said, Jordan's a crybaby. Uh, let me see here. So one of the points that he made, which I thought was interesting, because, you know, these, these traditional conservative guys are like, do as I say, right? This works. Do as I say. This works. Do it. Do it now. Do it now. Right? Sort of thing. So one of the things that he pointed out, which I believe is absolutely true because he experienced this, is 99% of women who were to get sick, let's say something like cancer, because I think Jordan Peterson's wife got extremely sick, when married to a man, don't want the kind of man who spirals down into a drug addiction, which he did because he had to go to, was it Russia to try to fix this, I think, is what Michaela's former husband brought uh, them to Russia to deal with uh, when she needs him the most, most. And he says, this guy's very lucky to still be married to her. So anyway, um, there's that. Um, you're In my view, I think you're going to see these Daily Wire guys, because they're in mostly recent marriages, like within the first 10 years. Let's see them all get to 20 years. Right. Let's see if their wives stick around for 20. Let's see if any of them untie the knot. And I will admit that they have a much higher probability of having a successful marriage over a long period of time because the Daily Wire is, is a successful, influential platform. It's a conglomerate. It's a group of a lot of these traditional conservative guys and gals. Um, what's her name? Is it Candace Owens? She used to be Red Pill Black. She pivoted, you know, she did her own thing, Red Pill Black, and then she did, hopped on the Daily Wire. Um, you know, this conglomerate of all these guys um, and, and gal, I, I think have legs because they're all trying to keep the family strongly religious, adhering to the principles and the protocols, whether it's Judaism or Catholicism or whatever it happens to be. They're all going to be very successful in the coming years. Um there's an appetite for what it is that they're talking about, uh, anti-wokeness, anti-transgenderism, like the stuff that's counterintuitive uh, to like the progressive message, which most people are getting, you know, fed up with. It's crammed on everybody's throat. So I agree with the vast majority of what they're saying. It's just when they get to stupid areas that it's just man up and don't be a pussy. It's like, look, you guys are all multimillionaires. You're all successful. You're all... Um, drawing the attention and eyeballs of a large uh, audience. And we know that women like, you know, successful men that are doing something with their lives, putting a dent in the universe that have the attention of people where men want to be them and women want to be with them sort of thing. Like they have some anxiety around it. So I think the chances of them having success over a very long term is probably greater than the average Joe. Okay. The average Joe watching their stuff uh, doesn't have the same chances of being that successful. Uh, the average Joe are more than likely to be part of the stats that end up in the divorce stats or end up in a crap marriage where um, there's no love, you know, between the two parties. Uh, there's disgust. Let's do this. Let's do a little experiment before I get into the Matt Walsh talking points because I like to do these surveys live. To so, if you guys are watching elsewhere on the internet, I'm going to just drop the YouTube link, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, wherever you happen to be. Click that link and come over to um, YouTube, and I'm going to post a poll here right now. 
start a poll. And the question is going to be, what percentage of marriages around you are obviously, we're going to say obviously, happy and in love? Fair question, right? Let's do, um, I don't know how many options they give you here. So let's do 25% or less, so 50%, but you know, somewhere down the middle. Add another option. So uh, 75% more and add one more. So we have four here. It, it actually only gives you four. Um, let's go 5% or less. Just out of just out of curiosity, okay? And answer honestly. Like, don't hit five percent because you want to be a dick. Like, just answer honestly. You tell me. Take the poll, okay? Um, I should have started at five percent and went down twenty five, fifty, seventy five, five percent. But let's just say, there you go. You you tell me. Looking around at family, friends, loved ones, cousins, aunts, uncles, grandparents. Take a you know take a look around at all these people that are married and ask yourself: Are these people truly happy? Are they in a state of love? Are they what the church, society, culture, Disney, and all that stuff has sold you your entire life where they're in a state of happiness, right? So let's figure out amongst ourselves watching this right now, um, you know, what percentage are actually um, obviously happy and in love. Um, getting about 50 votes in right now. It looks like 25% or less is winning it. 5% or less is starting to move up. So you guys take the poll. I'll leave it up. You tell me. So Matt Walsh is talking points, right? Um, so one of the things that he says is, you know, well, the stats say 50%, but, you know, you're an individual. You know, you can beat those odds because you're an individual. So he's so he's trying to separate you from the stats, saying that you don't have to participate in those stats. You don't have to be a participant in those failures if you choose not to be. That's a fair statement. Only the problem with that, though, is that you're only responsible for yourself and what you can control. You're not able to control her. You're not able to control her decisions. You're not able to control the decisions that she makes as a consequence of her past. For example, a woman that's shared her body with a number of guys is a far worse long-term relationship, uh, use the word partner, wife, um, Versus one that's a virgin. One that's a virgin, the chances of her being unhappy, experiencing displeasure, wanting to leave the marriage is very, very small. I think it's less than uh, like 30%. Whereas if she shared her body with something like three or four guys plus, the number goes up to like over 60%, 70%, right? And it just keeps getting worse. And the truth of the matter is, I think that most guys acknowledge today that women have been promiscuous with impunity. Uh, you know, toxic feminism has been telling women for decades now, not for years, but for decades and several decades back to back, you go girl, uh, if a man can do it, you can do it too. go out there, have fun. Right. And that in reality just makes it, I mean, like, where are these virgin women that these guys are supposed to find that also subscribe to religious values wholeheartedly, um, that would make vows. So he said a few things like, State and principle, no divorce from the offset. So you and your future wife are to sit down and to state and principle, no matter how bad things get, we're not going to get divorced. 
Isn't that the vows that you take when you go before the church and your family and you say in sickness and health and richer and poorer and da 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 and all that sort of stuff, we're not going to end this? Um, the church legitimately says when you go before the, um, the priest or whoever it is that you know, performs the ceremony, and I know this because I had a ceremonial wedding when I did mine, uh, there is no divorce. They, they overtly, explicitly state it very loudly and clearly, you're never to get divorced, right? How did that work out, right? It just doesn't go that way. They can say what they want, you know, for the betterment of their, uh, you know, their institution, but stating in principle, there's going to be no divorce from the off, you know, from the onset, you're going to resolve all the, well, what if you sit down and try to resolve all the issues with your uh, wife? You know, what if she's just not cooperating? What if she's bitchy and demanding and uh, controlling and, um, you know, just a difficult individual in general, you know, how are you going to hash out these differences? You're just not. Um, shared faith, you know, was another one he said, well, you know, if you both subscribe to what the faith says, you'll never untie the knot. And that's simply not true. I've, I've, I've been doing private phone consults with guys for years now, thousands upon thousands of conversations I've had. And I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with religious men and women when they got together they subscribed to a faith a shared faith that they both um, agreed on wholeheartedly hook line and sinker but what they don't tell you is that women always reserve the right to change their mind at any given time later on down the road it just happens men change women change it happens it just is it's a reality of the world so Whatever you agree on today may not be something that you necessarily agree on in seven years' time, in 12 years' time, whatever it happens to be. You may not necessarily agree on those things in the future. And if you get bored as a woman, and we know that women get bored faster in long-term relationships than men do. For men, you know, their interest in the woman sort of declines slowly over time, whereas with women, it just drops off like a hockey stick. Um, this is not my, these are not my words. This is Esther Perel. She's written a ton of books on this. She's covered it in TED Talks. She's covered it in her podcast. I've met her in person. We've had conversations. Like, this is how it works. This is how it generally goes for most relationships. That's just how it is. So saying that you share a faith today is going to be the end-all, be-all is absurd. It's, you know, it's a nice thing to state. It's, um, it's noble. Sure, is it virtuous? Of course. Um, but people change their minds and women change their minds and you can't control how a woman thinks. Um, the only parts of the world that you can, you know, control is yourself are the things you can do. Yeah. You know, we'll talk about things that you can do that would contribute to, uh, a longstanding marriage, perhaps, you know, if we can put it that way. Shared values was the other one that he said, if you have shared values, that's going to minimize the risk. Okay. You know, I'll, I'll vividly recount this call that I had with a guy. And this isn't the only call that I had. I've had a number of these calls, you know, with guys. Got married to her in the church. She was whatever, Mormon from a family of 18. Everybody's, you know, subscribed to this religion sort of thing. Big, big family, big church thing, big community sort of thing. And she has the 2.1 kids. We buy the house. Seven years later, you know, the kids are all in school. She decides to go to work gets into HR, 
gets into HR and some woke company, gets into HR and some woke company that starts talking about things like inclusivity and different kind of rainbows and flags and pronouns and voting habits. And, oh, now we're starting to talk about things like oppression. Like, it doesn't matter what you believe today. If you surround yourself or you put yourself in an environment where things go woke and weird and pollute the belief system that you subscribe to, you know, the faith, things will change. Um, this is not new. There's a bit that Eddie Murphy did. I think it was um, either raw or delirious. I can't remember. I'm actually talking about the bit in my second book as I'm writing it. Um, but I have to go down and actually get the actual name, but I'm pretty sure it's raw. But he talks about picking up. He's like, women here suck. This is in the 80s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. We're in 2023 right now. We're talking almost four freaking decades. We're talking almost 40 years ago. He's talking about how women sucked and his ideal situation would be to go to Africa and get a naked woman on a zebra, called her Unfufu, and bring her back to the West. Only in a matter of years, because she starts hanging out with other Western women, you can't do this to you. We can't tell you what to do and run you and keep you at home and, da -da -da and all sort of stuff. And she's like, I want half Eddie. And like the whole auditorium erupts in laughter. And the reason why stand-up comedy is funny is because there's truth in it. And that's why people laugh. And that's why I keep making reference to stand-up comedy. I should legit do an entire series on stand-up comic bits where they break down realities of the world. Okay? The cold hard truth. Anyway, shared values. Oh, my favorite one is abolish no-fault divorce. Now, if you Google what no-fault divorce is, I have it up here on my other screen. The Wikipedia definition is no-fault divorce is the dissolution of a marriage that does not require the showing of wrongdoing by either party. So in the past, fault needed to be uh, presented to the family court system to untie the knot, i.e., uh, she cheated on me. She's banging Kevin from sales. I want out. Then, you know, the courts would look at that petition, entertain it. And then, you know, if reasonable to untie the knot. Now, that might seem like a good idea. Abolish no fault divorce. This is what the Tradcons, this is what the Daily Wire guys are all saying. This is what Jeremy Boring, you know, was talking about, particularly insidious and evil and all these sorts of things. Let's say you abolish no, no fault divorce. And we hop in a time machine and we go back to a time before there was no fault divorce and you had to prove fault. You had to prove fault of the other party to untie the knot. Well, golly gee, if I remember correctly, as a kid, there was a lot of people that stayed married because they couldn't untie the knot. They would just bang other people. They would pretend that they're married. They would pretend that they're in love. They would show up at family events and functions and act like everything's okay when you could tell they hated each other and they would disparage each other. So they would just stay together in misery. Now, that's how some of them acted. The notion that no fault or removing no fault solves that is incredibly, I mean, you want to talk about incredibly insidious and evil? Well, we live in an environment today where it's the hashtag Me Too era. And how many great men have been destroyed just from allegations of women saying, you did something to me 10 years ago. And then we've got Russell Brand today. You know, I did a show about it the other week. Um, they've, they've basically either deplatformed him or they've left him on the platform and demonetized him so that he can't earn revenue. He's lost sponsors. I think has, you know, dumped him. All based on the accusation without evidence or proof because we're to believe all women. 
So, gee, let me think. Women aren't happy. Is it entirely possible, because we have to believe all women today, that they might make up reason for fault? He's financially abusive. He doesn't give me money to buy groceries. He controls, you know, the credit cards. He, you know, whatever happens to work today, if they remove no fault, I guarantee you removing no fault will have almost no impact on the divorce rate. It just won't. Because this is the world that we live in today where it's believe all women, you know, without any evidence. Uh, you know, I said the other day, you know, when I was doing the other podcast, I'm I'm surprised at this point that some descendant of Eve who has a claim to it would say that there's a me too on Adam, you know, because there's no limitation period. This is, it's not like, you know, if a credit card company needs to sue you for not paying your credit card bill, it has to happen within two years. Uh, otherwise, the limitation period is passed and the courts aren't going to entertain it, right? There's no limitation period on things like Me Too or women changing their mind on something or women alleging something without evidence. It's just point the finger, blame, and then they get the remedy that they want. And that's the world that we live in today. So I think the notion of abolishing no-fault divorce is going to fix things, that's just dumb. And if anybody believes that, you're just dumb. It ain't going to fix anything. It ain't going to solve anything. Let's keep going. What else did he say? The family court system needs to be torn down and rebuilt. And by the way, I've had a conversation with Andrew Clavin on the Daily Wire before. That video is pinned below in the description. Uh, that was a few years ago. It was around the time my book was just released. And he or, or his people contacted me to come on to talk about marriage and divorce and stuff that I was talking about in my book. And I thought we had a very productive conversation. Um, he was open to hearing things. He pushed back on some things. I'm completely open to talk to any of these Daily Wire people. They want to have a conversation or a debate or whatever it is. I'm happy to do that. I don't think they'll do it, though, because it's a no-win situation for them. Uh, there's just no way that the argument that they're going to present is, is going to defeat the problems that exist with it. Manning up isn't going to solve it. Jordan Peterson had the worst take on it ever, man. Just go watch that podcast that I did breaking down his three-part series. So family court system must be torn down and rebuilt. Really? You're going to tear it down and re... How? Who exactly is going to tear it down and rebuild it? You and the TradCon crew, you know, you're going to petition to have that changed? How's that going? You know, where are the bills in Parliament that are going to be entertained? Uh, the thing with the family law system today is... Sorry, let me just rewind a little bit. So we live in... Uh, a matriarchy today. We don't live in a patriarchy. We live in a matriarchy. It's a female first primary social order. You know, you've heard this before. Everything in, in family law that has been passed over the decades, this is over the last few years, decades again, everything in there has been passed to protect women and children. Men are disposable. We've always been disposable throughout history. Nobody really gives a shit about men. They keep telling you, oh, they, oh, they care about you, but they don't. They really just don't care about men. Men have always been disposable. They're always going to be disposable. Women are protected. It's always been that way. That's why when the ship hits a freaking iceberg and the Titanic went down, it's women and children first, and they all got on the life yacht, and all the guys basically drowned, right? Um, that's the way that the system works by default. So you think that you're going to change the laws that are written there to protect women? I mean, the, the notion of um, deadbeat dads exists and, and, that, and that soundbite has existed for decades again because there were legitimately some douchebag guys that would have children and just walk, you know, walk away from their obligations and 
she was left, you know, financially destitute. So they, so they created things like child support and alimony to extract money from it and give it to her. The problem with it, though, is that they went real, real far with the language and had it so broadly written that it's an advantage to women to be deceptive, to take advantage of it for control and for money. Again, I cover it in the chapter in my book in great lengths and detail. Get the Unplugged Alpha and read it. If you haven't read it, you will it will make sense to you, okay? You're not gonna tear down and rebuild the family court system anytime in your lifetime, probably definitely in my lifetime either. It's not gonna happen. Then he says, the red pill has no solutions today. Sure, red pill, the manosphere, whatever. It's He calls it a surrender. Now, I use the term surrender from time to time. Like, for example, you need to surrender to the fact that water is wet and that you can't breathe underwater. Just not. You can't walk into a fucking ocean and keep breathing like you're breathing air when you're underwater. You need to surrender to the fact that water is wet and you will die if you try to breathe it. The sun is hot. If you go out in the bright sunshine and you're a pale-skinned white dude in the freaking uh, desert in Arizona, you'll get a sunburn. You're going to be very badly damaged. You're going to be hurting for days and end up with some issues you know, with your skin, obviously. So you have to surrender to certain realities that exist in the world. So if you want to call surrendering to the notion that marriage is a bad idea, fine, Matt Walsh or whoever else that wants to use that term. Um, it's, it's an acceptance of the reality. It's what it is. Women aren't what they were decades ago. They weren't what existed in my parents and grandparents and great-grandparents' generation. Women have a long laundry list of demands of men. Uh, men don't meet most of that long laundry list of demands that women are expecting. Women are also bringing to the table a lot of baggage, a lot of, uh, you know, like notches, a very large notch count. They've shared their body with multiple men. You know, they go on talking about they want to demand monogamy from a man, but if they've shared their body with 20 or 30 other guys, and then claim that they've gotten right with God or whatever it is that they want to get right with, and they're now ready to settle down. You can't erase your past choices. You can't erase the fact that you've shared your body with 20, 30, 50, 100 other guys. You just can't. If you have a predisposition, if you have evolved yourself to the point where you're used to moving from one guy to the other to the other when things don't work out, when you don't get your way, um, if things are, like if your cup isn't filled by whatever it is that you know he needs to do for you and you know you're at guy number 51 who cares if number 52 comes along because you'll find 53 and four and five you know they always think there's something bigger and better on the other side you know when you get to that sort of situation um so accepting that this is a reality of the women that come to the table today and it's not just that as some of the problems lots of other problems entitlement uh, bratty behavior a lot of them bring children from prior relationships. You know, in my grandparents' age, in my parents' age, uh, there was almost no single mothers, you know? You go back a few, a few hundred years, like even as recent as a few hundred years, if a woman became a single mother, she was at the bottom of the totem pole as far as being entertained for wife stock or for mother stock or for any of those things. Uh, they were generally resigned to brothels and stuff like that, right? They're very, very bottom. And it's now, you know, today now they're celebrated. They can bring kids from two different fathers, three different fathers. It doesn't matter. 
Um, there's women on dating apps. People send me these screenshots all the time. I got tired of sharing them on social media and, and, and Twitter because there's so many of them where women are on dating apps legitimately pregnant with the seed of another man in their belly holding themselves out to be of value and wife and marriage material. I want to be a stay-at-home mom. I've got a three-year-old and a seven-year-old and I'm pregnant right now and I want to be a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> are you kidding me? Are you freaking kidding me? This is what men are dealing with today. But, you know, Tradcon say just man up and do it, man. You know, because you're an individual. You're different. Have honest communication. State in principle, no divorce from the outset. Have shared faith. Have shared values. Abolish no-fault divorce. All these sorts of things. Anyway, let's see how we're doing with this survey here, man. We got 163 votes. And the vast majority, 52%, are saying that less than 25% of marriages are obviously happy and in love. Almost 30% are saying uh, that 5% or less are in that state. Um, the book, so that tells me the vast majority of marriages today, when we look around at our lives and the people that we know, uh, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's, I don't know what it is you want to call it, whether it's a mechanism, a game, an institution, a, a contract, it doesn't matter what you call it. Those are really, really bad odds, man. It's like, you know, you can get in a car. I know what the stats are for a car accident because I talk about it in the MGTOW chapter of my book. So I'm not a fan of that stuff either. But um, about less than two point something percent, I think it was, uh, like you have a very, very small chance of getting in a car accident. It's very small, right? Uh, extremely, extremely remote, right? But we still drive cars. We put on our seatbelts. They have airbags. They're generally pretty safe today, even if you get in an accident. You're going to survive it even if you do. And we still do that, right? But in situations where it's like something like, you know, losing half, like what are the risks that are involved? Like, let's talk about like losing half your wealth. Okay, well, that's a problem. I know a lot of rich guys that still get married that have been through second and third marriages, like wealth that you can't imagine. We're talking eight, nine figure guys, right? And they're generally not, they don't care that much when it comes to money. Cause it's like, if you're worth 80 million and she takes half your shit and you're worth 40 million, they don't really care because they'll just make that money back, right? It's the average guy that generally gets destroyed. Very successful guys when it comes to finances. It's difficult. It's difficult to say. They get pissed when they say they have to pay $40,000, $800,000 a month to their ex, whatever it happens to be. It's not good. But then you keep going further. Well, what about the whole notion of being a father and you losing access to your kids? Because the experience that most men have today there's notions of parental alienation. And because women are getting 80% of the custody orders, that means that they're also getting child support for the most part, depending on where they live and how the government operates in that area. They're also seeing alimony flow to them. They're also seeing child support flow to them. They're also seeing a division of assets. In many cases, assets acquired prior to the marriage, not just during the marriage. And you start putting all those ingredients into a blender and then you turn it on, you blend it up, and you're left with a shit shake. It's not, it's not a good proposal. Are there things that you can do to fix that? Sure. I tweeted out today. So I knew that this was going to get picked up and you know blown up a little bit. But I did it for that reason because I knew that it was going to work. Uh, I timed these things. Let's see here. So I put this out earlier today, and it says, how to encourage marriage by fixing divorce in five simple steps. 
Number one, eliminate alimony. Okay. By the way, none of this is ever going to happen. Not in our lifetime. The only way to get these things is to go somewhere where it already exists. There are places in the world that don't hate men, that aren't hostile, where you can go, get married. You call it whatever you want. Get married, have family, you know, whatever it happens to be. And you don't, you don't have these risks. But in the West, in most Western places, so you want to fix marriage. You want to encourage guys to sign up for marriage, Daily Wire and all the guys in that uh, clan or crew. This is how you do it. You, you fix it by fixing the divorce laws. Eliminate alimony. If women are so strong and independent today and don't need no man and a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle, you've all heard the sound bites. We hear it all the time. Women are blah, 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 going on about it all the time on social media. Get rid of alimony. Why do they need it? It shouldn't exist. You know, if you're so strong and independent, stand on your own two feet after you get divorced, pay your own shit and look after yourself. You're a grown ass adult, but no, in many places in the West, you get divorced, you're paying alimony sometimes not for a fixed period of time you're paying it for a lifetime you are paying to support somebody else that you're not married to anymore you're not being intimate with you're not enjoying intimacy or sexual benefits from you're actually paying them money and some other dude is paying them you know it doesn't make any sense right why do you have to maintain their lifestyle into perpetuity just because they married you now some people you know, rightly will say something like, well, Rich, you know, like, what would you say to your daughter? Would you tell her not to get married? It's a different conversation if you have a daughter. Totally different conversation. Tell her to get married, of course. Like, why would you? It's a great freaking deal. If you love your child and she can find a guy that's got his life sorted, why not tell her to get married? There's no downside. It's all upside. It's low risk, high reward for, for women. It's high risk, low reward for men. So again, the first thing, eliminate alimony. Let me make this a little bit bigger. Second thing, default 50-50 custody. Why are we living in a world where men have to fight for custody? Why? It doesn't make any sense. Most fathers are more than capable. And in fact, the statistics say they're better at it than women at raising children and turning them, turning them into productive, useful members of society. I wouldn't argue that women are better at it when the children are smaller. They need the nurturing. They need the mother. They need the breast milk. They need all that stuff. Like women are better at that phase of life. But to remove a man from his child's life, which women are incentivized to do because when they do it, they also get child support and control, by the way. Okay. They want to make medical decisions unilaterally without your uh, input. They want to pick up and move across. I can't tell you how many guys... I
we're talking about surgery before this thing closed on me. <laughs> it's annoying sometimes. Let me put this back up on the screen. Share screen and boom. Right. So mandatory DNA testing or paternity testing, as it's called, because it's nearly impossible to establish the rates of which paternity fraud exists. The word fraud is a part of paternity fraud because it relies on one party being deceptive to the other. Women have with 100% assurance that when they are pregnant and they birth a child, it is theirs. They know it because they carried it and they pushed it through their body. So there's no confusion, which is fine. But men have some uncertainty in that area. It's entirely possible and it happens where women get impregnated by somebody else and then they point to that guy who could be the husband. He may not be the husband at that time and says, that's the father. You're the father. This is yours. You stand up and man up. Now, going back to the notion that we don't know what the actual rates happen to be, I came across some data. I was doing some research when I was writing my first edition of the book. And it mostly comes from the medical establishment and from school assignments, believe it or not. Uh, if you ask women out there if uh, they could honestly take a survey and state whether or not the father or the person that has been playing the role of the dad to their children is a real father and get an honest answer, you're not going to get it. Because if they say that they're that the guy is not the father, then that exposes them to potential harm, it exposes them to shame. There's a lot of consequences. The consequences are much, much higher for women. So it's understandable as to why they would be deceptive and lie about the paternity of the child or pretend like, oh, I don't know, or I'm pretty sure it's him. It's got to be him. It's got his eyebrows or whatever. Um, it's been revealed a number of times uh, in medical establishments. So as an example, without going through all of them, uh, if you've got a sick child that has a disease, they do blood labs on the child. They, do, they, they then do blood labs on the parents uh, to try to establish the genome and potential remedies or if they need to, I don't know, the kid's got bone cancer or something like that, is there, or they need a kidney, you know, is one of the parents a, a donor? And then the medical establishment then discovers, oh, wait, hold on a second. Yeah, that's the mom, but the DNA has no association to the father. That's not the father. Now, depending on where they live, they don't always disclose it to the father. They'll They'll have a conversation with the mom and say, you know, are you sure that he's the dad? Because the blood labs or, you know, the results from the testing say that he's not the father. And, you know, at that time, they're in a private room with the medical professional and her. And they might have a conversation like, well, I'm not entirely certain, but maybe he's not. There was another guy around the same time. And then maybe the medical you know, professional says, well, we don't have to disclose it here in this state or province. But just so you know, right, um, the medical establishment has shown somewhere between 10 to 15 percent of the time when they're doing these uh, st studies, you know, on the blood and the kids and the sickness and all this sort of stuff. The guy that's been acting as a dad is not the dad. Um, school assignments have shown the numbers to be high as well. To say that's across the board, that 25 percent or 20 percent of the time uh, there's paternity fraud would be an unfair statement, but it exists. That's the problem. The fact that it exists, the fact that it is a potential to exist is a problem for men. Men do not want to raise the, seat, raise the seat of another man. It's why most single moms are repulsive to guys and they don't want to get involved with them. And they get turned off and will express frustration and this sort of stuff online when they're trying to 
settle down and, you know, find a guy and get right and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, when they've got kids in tow from a prior type of relationship. So I think that mandatory DNA testing at the point at the hospital when the child's born uh, being done uh, makes marriage and having kids that much more attractive because it's one of the legitimate grievances that men have expressed today is paternity fraud exists, um, cuckoldry exists, and it's at a rate that is unknown but higher than what most uh, people out there will hold out to the public. It, it's, it's real. It's a real problem. And the fifth one, is uh, issuing child support to what the child actually needs. Um, again, lots of conversations on this in the past. There's been lots of um, guys who have stated, look, you know, when I was married, um, my cost to cover swimming lessons and extracurriculars and after school care and meals and clothing and all this sort of stuff, about a thousand bucks a month, right? And, you know, your dad, you're happy to pay it. It's your kid. You want to look after them. But when you get divorced and they and then the government gets involved and they start punching numbers into their tables, this is where shit starts getting interesting. Um, they start basing it on your income and a percentage of your income, the discrepancy between her income and your income. And it's like child support doesn't get distributed based on what is required for the child to live in that other household. It's based on their tables. And there's lots of dads that have found, well, when I was married, it was costing me about a thousand bucks a month, you know, to cover all this. But now that they've punched numbers in a table, that number goes up to $3,217.18 a month. And they're like, where's this money going? And it's going to our handbags and shoes, not to the kids, right? So you want to fix marriage? You want to encourage marriage? You're going to fix it by fixing things in divorce. And I didn't write this saying that this is a remedy and this will get adopted and be used to fix things. I wrote it knowing full fucking well that it's never going to happen in my lifetime. I wrote it because these are the things that are required. And all of these things, if you eliminate alimony, if you eliminate default 50-50 custody, if you eliminate the division of assets, if you eliminate mandatory paternity testing, if you eliminate child support for what the child actually needs, women are going to lose their shit. Guys aren't going to change these laws. There's no way guys can get together, men's rights activists, none of these groups, getting together to like petition, go to Capitol Hill and say anything will ever fix any of these things. It's never, ever going to happen. The charge for these changes needs to come from women. And why would women change these things if it benefits them so greatly? Think about it. Why, if your benefit, if you've got such a strong advantage entering into a marriage contract, why would you change any of the things that benefit you so greatly that make it so low risk and high reward to get married? Why would you change any of those things? That's why when all of these pink pill chicks online, they're all, yeah, marriage isn't fair for fathers. And why do you think they're not getting they butt heads with like the trad cons? It's like, ladies, ladies, if you're serious, if you really give a fuck about men and want them to marry you and you want to have more marriages, you want to fix the problem, get the gals together in the thousands and tens of thousands, even better, hundreds of thousands, and go and march on Capitol Hill policymakers, bureaucrats, and tell them shit's not fair, men aren't marrying us, we want to change these things over here that I've just mentioned. It's never going to happen, ever. Never, ever, ever. It's far better and easier for them to create outrage on social media and Twitter to get eyeballs and views and follows and dorks in their comments going, yeah, you go, girly. It's not going to happen. That's what it takes to rent to remedy it. Are there things that you can do? Can you vet women better? Yeah, don't you know? Don't deal with women that have red flags. All 
all the stuff that I talk about in my book. I mean, I cover all of it from a bunch of different angles in my book. You do all those things, you got a better chance of having success. But at the end of the day, going somewhere where men aren't hated, where they're treated fairly, where all of these things already exist, which do in many parts of the world, you know, where there's um, uh, cultural and religious values that subscribe to these uh, notions. And, you know, people message me all the time, like, yo, Rich, Islam's got it sorted out, man. Like, like the unplugged alpha is basically Islam. It's like, cool. If that's what it is, go there. You know, uh, there's, there's remedies to it. I'm not saying don't have kids. I'm not saying uh, don't deal with women. I'm not saying, um, you know, don't date women or any of those things. I'm saying do it if you want, but walk into it with your eyes wide open because it's a slaughterhouse. There's a lot of sharp objects in there that can hurt you. And most guys get hurt. The vast majority of guys uh, do get hurt pretty badly and some get destroyed. And there's a very large percentage versus women. I think the number is something like 10 times higher, if not more. Uh, that men that self-delete after a divorce. Women aren't self-deleting after a divorce. It's men. It's men that are doing it in much, much larger numbers. But again, like I said earlier, nobody cares about men. Nobody gives a fuck about men. We pretend like we care about men. We, you know, we, you know, we pretend like there's men's rights and there's honey badgers and men's rights activists and women pink pill chicks online that are basically saying the same shit that men have been saying for decades. Like they give a fuck about men. Um, it just, it just doesn't exist. So, you know, to the point of, well, what do you do? You do what's best for you. You know, you do what you think is right for you. And if you want to test it out, if you want to march in the slaughterhouse, if you want to get into a marriage, if you want to take on a woman that shared her body with 40, 50 guys, 10 guys, even, it doesn't matter, do it, but at least do it knowing what you're getting into. Uh, Walk into it enlightened. I'll say this, you know, before we start getting the super chats, I've seen a couple there. Um, you know, man, I could go on for hours about this stuff. I'm going to leave it. Fuck it. Let's, let's just go to these super chats here. And then we'll take a couple of call-ins here and, uh, see what we get here. Um, let me see. Uncle Bounce. If women were not the same as women were decades ago, is it even worth getting into a long-term relationship at all in any regard? Um, I'm in a long-term relationship for many years now. Um, for the most part, very happy and productive. And she's generally a compliment to my life. There's exceptions, you know, women today, look, I can't say women today are hugely different from the experience, you know, from like a hundred years ago. Maybe that's, maybe that's an overreach because you don't know until you walk in your great granddad's shoes. He probably dealt with some bullshit too. Let's be honest. Right. But if you're together, you're on your purpose, you're on your grind, you don't succumb to their games and their hissy fits and the bullshit and all that sort of stuff. And you got good frame and you set boundaries, not living with women, you know, offers a lot of benefits, you know, as well. Um, I got a video that's coming out on my entrepreneurs and cars channel. I recorded a week or so ago. My editor's probably just finishing it up. That'll get published on why, um, it's not a good idea to live with women. If you, if you follow a lot of the basic stuff that I talk about, you can generally have a great experience with women. Okay. I mean, I would, I can honestly say I'm generally very happy in my long-term relationship. It comes with some bullshit though, because it's women. I mean, you're dealing with another person. They're emotional. They're not logical. That's just how it is. Right. So, you know, to think that it's ever going to be, everything's perfect all of the freaking time. No, but I also operate in such a way that I'm not going to expose myself to unnecessary risks where I'm not going to expose my wealth, where I'm not going to allow the state to get involved in my life and decide what happens to 
my wealth or any of those things, right? It just makes sense being intelligent about it. If you're, if you're divorced, guys, if you've got kids, if you've got, you know, the, the reproductive aspect of your life out of the way, there's really no advantage whatsoever to ever get married again, nor really live with a woman. And it's not like, um, you, you know, these guys don't want to live with women or they don't want to invite them more intimately in their life. It just doesn't make sense. You know, I've talked to a lot of lawyers, uh, you know, family lawyers, and when you look at how they structure their lives in their own personal relationships, um, there's one common denominator that they all share. They won't expose themselves to unnecessary risk. They won't get into a long-term relationship that can be viewed by the government as a marriage that exposes their, uh, you know, their wealth, uh, access to children that they may have with that person to any kind of risk. Um, there's guys in the world that do a number of different things to sort of circumvent this. I have, I should mention this actually, because there's a video on my email list. Um, I had an issue with my email list a few months ago, so I had to put it on hold, pumping out emails, but I fixed that. So I'm going to start uh, putting out more regular emails. But if you get on my list now, if you're not on it, there's a, uh, there's a couple of emails in there. I'm pretty sure there's one in there. Um, where I'm talking to Tristan Tate privately in a webinar about how he structures his relationships with women and the mothers of his kids. Uh, you want to learn about stuff like that, alternative options, other ways to do it. Check that out. It's just, you know, it's just insight. Uh, Rizzo here says, fully agree with Rich's five simple steps uh, coming from a divorced father. Yeah, there's no divorced guys out there. They're like, yeah, that's stupid. Your five steps are, are, are dumb and they're not going to work. Everybody acknowledges that they were. In fact, if I go to the comments here of this, the vast majority of people are co-signing exactly what I'm saying with some minor exceptions, right? Some of these plugged in dorks or some of these women that are like, no, that's not fair. We can't have that. That's going to take away blah, blah, blah. And we're going to suffer. It's not about the children suffering. It's about them not getting their way, right? So, you know, take it with a grain of salt and take it for, you know, for what it is. Um, let me grab the invite link to let you guys call in. And I want to prioritize uh, critics tonight um, of this notion. So if you want to call in, uh, call in and ask uh, Q. That in there. And see how we're trending with this uh, survey still. We got almost 260 votes. Still, the vast majority of people as they look around are seeing only a tiny percentage of, of people that are married, uh, obviously happy and in love. The vast majority are not. So take it for what it is. Um, there's the join link. It's in the live chat of um, the StreamYards. And oh, come on, YouTube. They have, this, they have this overlay heart right now, which doesn't let me hit the bullets. Pin message. There we go. So the link to join is um, pinned at the top of the live chat. So hit it. Uh, call in and ask a question is what it says. It's a StreamYard link. I want to give priority to the guys that actually are critics. Um, and if you're a critic, I would like to hear your solution. Let's chop it up. I want to hear what it is that you think will resolve this problem or where I'm going wrong. How about that? Tell me where I'm going wrong uh, because I'm always, I'm always interested in that. Um, let's see here what we got in the chat. Okay, so we're scrolled down, we're all caught up. So let's do this. Um, the link to join is there to call in. Let's do critics first. If there's no critics, call in and ask any questions. 
do that now. I've got less than 20 minutes because I got to get ready for the ladies night. And I think what I'll do is during the ladies night shows, I'll pose the same problem to them. You know, guys are checking out of this. What is your solution? Do you have a better way to do this? You know, like what is your take on it? Um, so let's do it that way. Let me run the ad reel and uh, throw this desk upright so we can uh, see what callers have to say. Uh, where is it? Damn you. There it is. I'll be back in like a minute and a half. This episode is brought to you by the Unplugged Alpha Supplements and Grondike Soap Company. Brothers, if you're like me and you take what you put in your body seriously, you'll want to use the Unplugged Alpha Supplements. An obsession with absorption is what sets this line apart from the others. You want to make sure that you absorb as much of the supplements as possible so you don't end up peeing out expensive urine. My supplement line is made in the United States from the highest quality domestic ingredients. And unlike cheaper supplements from China in plastic bottles, Mine ship in dark glass bottles to keep your supplements fresher, longer, and won't seep endocrine disrupting plastics into your supplements. Nothing is a hard tablet. Everything is in an easily digestible, bioavailable capsule. You can filter all products by various categories, including testosterone support, estrogen metabolism, fat burning, immune health, sleep support, and performance. Visit theunpluggedalpha.com forward slash shop and use the subscribe and save option to get 10% off your supplement orders or use coupon code alpha10 for 10% off a one-time order to try it out. Then I use tactical soap and God of War beard oil every day. Tactical soap is a handmade product made in the United States from ingredients you can actually pronounce, not conventional endocrine lowering toiletry chemicals. Both the soap and the beard oils are infused with bioidentical pheromones that are designed by a clinical psychologist and pheromone expert to maximize attractiveness to the opposite sex. Go visit coopersoap.com and get 10% off your order today. Guys, check out my website at richcooper.ca for more information on booking me for coaching, my community, my courses, and a whole bunch more. You can also find all the useful links pinned below in the top YouTube comment of all my videos. Now let's get on with the show. All right. <clears throat> Actually, before um, I take callers, if I have time, um, I want to mention to you guys that I'm doing a very special event in, uh, January that I hope, uh, some of you, uh, can make it to. There's only a handful of slots that are available still. Why isn't this high enough? There we go. Um, so we're doing this forum in January, the middle of the, uh, the month here in Toronto. I'm calling it a forum. It's not a conference. It's a forum. Um, it's already been pre-sold to my inner community. Okay. And I've reserved some spots for the general public guys that watch my stuff that follow me that want to uh, get involved that want to meet me that perhaps even want to meet my community sort of thing. Um, we're going to be having talks, fireside chats, networking opportunities, meals, cigars, drinks, all kinds of stuff over a period of a couple of days. This isn't your echo chamber with pickup artists. Uh, or drum circles or any of those things. There's going to be no drama. Um, this is going to be an actual productive event for guys, guys only, by the way. Um, so if you're interested, you want to learn more, I'll be talking about it um, in the coming uh, weeks and months, but uh, I'll, I'll drop the link because my web guys just finished uh, putting the material on the site and the checkout page. Uh, let me just drop it in the chat. If you're interested in attending, uh, let's put it here in the chat. Come to my phone in January. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you can, you can grab a ticket is uh, linked on the page. I'm not going to tell you who our speakers are and the guys that will be contributing um, in detail. But what I'll say is this, the vast majority of the guys that are going to uh, be there are guys in my inner circle, uh, what I would consider weapons in the world. You know, they're doing something of some significance. They're putting a dent in the universe. They're well-connected. They know shit. They're going to be sharing a lot of experience essentially on how the world works and what they've learned and making connections with you guys. I've got some world-class people there. Um, I was just talking earlier today with um, a guy who's committed to coming. Uh, he's a former world-class athlete. And uh, I met with him. He's got, he's got great stories. I've met with him in real life in uh, person. Um, and he's got some fantastic stories about uh, his long-term relationship, his marriage, chasing excellence, and what he was doing in his uh, single days. Um, these will be available to those that can't attend will get an opportunity to, 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 to purchase a link which will uh, let you watch the recorded versions. So, I mean... I'm going to say most of it's going to be recorded and it's going to be broadcasted. So if you can't make it, but you want to watch the content, you'll be able to do that. But where the real, real value comes is where you put yourself in the room. Uh, you're going to put yourself in a room ideally where you're generally not the smartest person in the room. There's other guys in there that are placing themselves there to be useful and level up in the network. So you want to learn more, check it out over there. Um, that's richcooper.ca forward slash forum. And if you guys are on my email list, I'll be mentioning to you there, but that's upcoming in January as an event because people are always asking me, when are you going to do something? When are you going to have a get together? This isn't a conference. This isn't a get together or anything like that. This is going to be something uh, which you've never seen before. Let's just put it that way. Again, more details to follow. All right, let's see what we got here in the private chat. We got, oh, we got Wahlberger in the house. Wahlberger's always here, man. Dude. He says that he disagrees with me on religion and it greatly increases success. So let's hear his take on that, man. What's going on, dude? Hey, Rich. Uh, yeah, have to say that uh, in a rare case, I disagree with you to that aspect. Now, that doesn't mean that I live that way myself, but from what I view and I see around me, it does drastically increase the ability for success in marriage. Does um, it though? Have you seen that? Yeah, I can be specific in that regard. Right. So, so I'll tell you, uh, I was raised LDS or the Mormons, right? Yeah. Uh, so very virtuous, uh, a lot of rules associated with it. Um, there is uh, a large part of patriarchy with it, but also um, it. I think it satisfies some of the things that you propagate. So, for example, um, solipsism, saying that I am a child of God, right? I, I'll use this. I find it somewhat hokey myself personally, but I'm going to explain why I think it works. So I am a child of God, which reaches right to women's solipsism immediately, letting them know how, know how wonderful and great they are. Uh, and But at the same time, it also um, provides a purpose um, for men, like you say, uh, have a purpose, but have it all it's never the woman and when you are married with someone who agrees that your higher purpose is a higher power then she doesn't really even want to be your purpose and 
you both agree that there's a higher purpose. And so you're on a mission together to make something better now. Um, and that really pertains to family. So I'll, I'll be specific. I'll be very precise on this. Um, me, I'm a Jack Mormon, as you would call it. So a guy who has fallen away. Um, I think that I'm very athletic. My religion essentially is taking care of my body, taking care of things around me, all of that. If I had to lay it down now, the rest of my family, they are very practicing Mormons. Each of my sisters have four kids. Uh, my brother is not practicing. He's kind of in the same boat as me, but he's got a stepson. I've got a son. Um, but we get together almost every week. My sisters put on a lunch or a dinner for all of us to gather with my parents. And so we get together and that sense of family, that culture is just rolling on each other. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of good times. And, and the thing with that too, is there's also a badass component to it as well. If you look at hurricane Katrina back in the day, um, the people who were first on site for that wasn't the government. It was the Mormons. When you want to see shit happen, you get Mormons to do it. So this past weekend, we actually did a food drive um, in which uh, it's actually part of the Guinness Book of World Records out of Calgary. It's the biggest food drive year after year, just destroys all food drives because of the organization of the Mormon religion. So they Is your ex-wife Mormon? It's, sorry, say again? Is your ex-wife Mormon? <laughs> we weren't married. She was raised Mormon in her late teens, and she was married, so he's previously married in the Mormon church, and then she left him, so okay. that, different example, but that was one of the commonalities that brought us together, is that we both had that background in regards to the Mormon religion. Obviously, yeah, but you're not together anymore, so it didn't work out. What's that? But you're not together anymore, so it didn't Correct. work out. Correct. So, so in this case, you're right. Um, my rule, I, I'm with your rule. It didn't work out. And with her, that's two times even. Right. But with, with the family that I see and a lot of people together, then, and they've got four kids and it's rolling and we're doing productive things. Even me, I was part of that food drive, even though I'm not part of that religion, because I respect the, uh, the things that they do. One of the things that they say is faith without works is dead, meaning that you can have as much faith and belief as you want. But if you don't do good things, then it doesn't matter. That doesn't take you up to the higher echelons or save you from hell, per se. Right. So you have to do many good things. Um, I understand what you're saying, um, Logberger, but the fact of the matter is, is that. I've done thousands of consults with guys and the vast majority of the guys that have dealt with the divorce aspect of their life yeah. have all been religious, right? So religion isn't a buffer. It doesn't save you from any of this. The churches today are basically beta factories. Men aren't strong. They're not virtuous. They're not able to lead. And they're basically telling women, you go girl. You know, they're telling guys to become less. There's happy wife, happy life, right? You'll hear this all the time. It doesn't matter which, what faith you go to. They're, you know, they're getting guys to parrot the same sound bites that weaken, pussify, and soften men. And they still untie the knot, right? Like even your, even the woman you had your child with, she was previously married and she had a kid with you 
twice it hasn't worked out for her. True. Right. Your True. brother was cucked. You know, he's got a stepson. Right. So you can't tell me that religion is a buffer or that it's better. There might be some scenarios when it's working, when it feels better in quotations, you know, I'm doing that, but where it's like, you know, this looks like it can be work. We have big family events and food drives and the barbecues and the dinners and all. And sure. I get it. Right. Like I've got family that is, you know, religious and I participate in those events and I see it, but the vast majority of them, one, they're not happy, you know, as we see with the dad over here, even with the poll that I've just done. And two, they still untie the knot. It's not like it's any any more stickier. This isn't like 50, 100 years ago where they're like, ah, you know, we got married in the church. We'll just stay together even though we hate each other. Right, right. It's a totally different time. So I don't it, think for a minute that any of the become a Jew, become a Catholic, become a whatever, and she subscribes to the same notion is going to be an insurance policy. It might feel better at the time when it's working, but again, you know, women reserve the right to change their mind at any, any given time. And what they state today and how they live today isn't necessarily going to be what they believe and how they live later on down the road. You said yourself that you were raised as a Mormon, but your beliefs and you left the church over time because it's like, you know, people, people fall out of faith yes. all the time. And, you know, the older you get and you're like, well, you, you know, why is this happening? Why isn't God protecting me from that? Or why did this happen in my life? And it's like, dude, I get these notifications on my phone from like trending Reddit stories. I should read you this story about this pastor that tried to convince his wife that they have to raise the child of his mistress, who was part of the congregation that died during childbirth with twins. And one of the one of the twins died. She died one of the twins survived and he's trying to convince his wife that she needs to raise his kid. Right. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of fuckery that goes on and we religion doesn't save you from any of that it exists everywhere. Humans are disgusting and we do disgusting shit. And I don't think that while it might seem like a good idea, maybe some people will say, Rich, you're totally wrong. And this is where, this is where I don't agree with you. Fine. You may not agree with me at the end of the day, but it exists. It happens commonly. And again, women always reserve the right to change their mind. You, you know, you can't say we're never going to get divorced because, of, you know, because the church says there is no divorce. That's how they feel right then and there. You know, that's how the woman feels right then and there. And if things can change later on down the road. Right. So I don't I don't think for a minute that subscribing to any kind of Western religion that's popularized is going to save any of this. There's there's patriarchal type of religions in other countries where cultures are still strong and men are respected and valued and men are still strong in reality and women are still feminine but you take any religion and you drop it in the west where men and women are equal a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle and you know the patriarchy is oppressing us it's like how can you be successful and strong and independent and be a fucking victim at the exact same time right and then you have all these mixed messages from media religion and all this sort of stuff and it's just convoluted. like again you put all these ingredients in a blender you turn it on and you got a shit shake you know you can pour that drink and drink it but my advice to guys is look man if you're going to do it at least know what you're drinking here's i agree with pretty much everything that you say here now i think that there's a changing in the times though in that the fact that society government um education is getting so ridiculous that it's actually driving people further towards religion because they have to do that 
doesn't or, work though. It doesn't it doesn't solve anything? Like religion isn't a buffer against any of those things that I existed. You want to encourage guys to get married. You want to you want to fix things. You need to do those five things that I mentioned. Then you'll see guys going back to living in a way that looks like marriage. It's not going to happen anytime soon. I got like two minutes before I got to wrap up, and there's a super chat here, and I think you might be able to be helpful because it says my question is about Mormons. Okay. She was married to sorry, she was married and was a stripper. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing this is his ex-wife, maybe. She was doing some things with men, including me. I think she's not a true Mormon. I'm not sure what the question is, Rizzo, but it's more of a statement, you know, more than anything. Anyway. Yeah, Jack Mormon, right? Yeah. All right, let's wrap it up on that note. Okay. Thanks, Wahlberger. I appreciate you popping in. I've got to get ready for the next show I'm doing with Moff. Uh, that's going to be in 15 minutes, ladies' night. Uh, we got a great panel of gals lined up. I think this is probably a topic that we'll probably put on the table um, for the ladies to discuss and see what feedback they have because I'm sure they've heard about this problem too. Let's uh, say goodnight to the Unplugged Alpha uh, podcast and we'll get moving on in a little bit. We'll see you guys real soon. All right, guys, if you enjoyed that podcast, make sure you visit my website at richcooper.ca to learn more about my courses, my book, The Unplugged Alpha, community, or booking me for private coaching. Also, if you are a Canadian with $15,000 or more of credit card debt, and what you are doing right now isn't paying off the balances, then visit totaldebtfreedom.ca and hit get a free quote to see if you qualify to settle your credit card debt for less than you owe today over the next 48 months. Make sure you check out the top pinned comment on YouTube for all the links mentioned during the show. Peace.